And I, I still forget what to turn on and what not to turn on. <laughs> I know. They'll get me fixed up. But it is good to be here. And uh, I was just thinking a moment ago how it's been a few years since I've been up front here. And there's a lot of new faces out there. And uh, uh, congratulations, you know. For, for those of you who were uh, warm enough and friendly enough that they would actually come, and uh, for them who have found a church that is one blessed church and uh, one special place in this world, and uh, we've been a couple few places doing uh, transitional work, interim type work uh, in uh, West Virginia, and now we're off the coast of South Carolina uh, in a little island out there that nobody ever heard of, and and uh, it's, it's it's right next to the Czech Republic. And, <laughs> But, you know, and, uh, but it's, uh, when you, you travel around and you, you see the rest of the world a little bit and it, uh, it, it makes you sometimes long for home. And, and, uh, as far as churches are concerned, this was home. Oh, <laughs> all together now. Oh, didn't I tell you it was a great place? You know, I'm, I'm trying to be encouraging here. Anyhow, my scripture lesson this morning, that's why I'm here. My scripture lesson this morning out of John 12, and you really won't understand John 12 unless you've read John 11. I maybe should have, we should have sent that out ahead of time, and uh, especially the part where, uh, where Jesus uh, intersects with uh, Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, and you, you kind of know that story. Uh, this is an aftermath of some of that story. <clears throat> I'm going to read to you from just a few verses out of chapter 12, verse 9. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Let's pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, we we love you. We wouldn't be here, Lord, if we didn't somehow care about you, somehow understand that you're our source of of hope and happiness. Lord, as we've gathered ourselves in in this sanctuary, it's my prayer, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move among us. You would stir within us and that you would be our teacher, that you would convince us and that you would convict us and that you, as only you can, Lord, would transform us just a tiny bit more into the people of God that you want us to be. Bit by bit, one degree of glory to another. Lord, make us like Jesus, like yourself. We just give you the praise for that, Lord. Thank you for this privilege and this blessing. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, there's the old uh, phrase, I'm sure you've all heard it, that uh, promoted Monday night football and the NFL, you know, and the guys would come on and say, are you ready for some football, right? And everybody says, yeah, yeah, and the crowds jump, and it's a big deal. Well, I can't imagine anybody who, who wouldn't want to be around when God breaks through, you know, when God breaks through the natural, and He performs what only He can do, a miracle, a miracle, supernaturally re-altering the otherwise what would be. Are you ready for a miracle? When you read about it, you think about it. Uh, you, we we just prayed for it, didn't we? Just didn't we just sing for it? 
about let God reign in me, in my what? In my brightest hour? No, no. We're in our darkest hour. And what is that saying? What are you asking for? I want a miracle. I need a miracle. I need God in my life. I need God in my life. In John 11, Jesus just did that. He supernaturally re-altered what otherwise would be. He performed a miracle. That's what God does. I mean, that is God. Whenever God moves, whenever God intervenes in the natural, that is the definition of a miracle. Lazarus had become sick. Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus. Mary, Martha, the brother, you know, we know the stories of Jesus having dinner in their home and all those kind of things. So they were familiar with with Jesus. By the time Jesus got word uh, of of Lazarus' illness, that he had died before Jesus got there. Four days it took, I think, for Jesus to get there. By the time he got to Bethany, uh, it was all over. I mean, Lazarus was in the tomb. The funeral was over. Everything was over. His two sisters, Mary and Martha, they were heartbroken. They were mourning, grieving. As the community of Lazarus' friends and family mourned his passing... Jesus came with his disciples, and, and with both Mary and Martha, he said, you know, they came to him and they said, if, if you had just been here, this wouldn't have happened. If you had just been here, you could have changed this. See, they had that, they had that faith in him. But Jesus told them, in effect, you're about to witness the glory of God. Now, I'm sure they wondered what that was, and I'm sure they didn't really know, have any understanding. And then he told them to go out and open up the grave. Now, that's pretty weird, right? Go out and open up a grave four days old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they didn't have modern embalming or any of that kind of stuff. He was just out there. Now you, and, the, and the protest was, but, 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 but he, he's going to smell. You know, it's, it's not, you don't do this. They did. They listened to Jesus. They went out. They opened the grave where Lazarus was. And Jesus yells out. He says, Lazarus. Come out. Come forth. And to absolutely everybody's amazement, Lazarus, smelly, covered in grave cloths, comes walking out of the tomb. I wonder sometimes, I think part of me says, I sure wish I had been there that day in the background watching. Another part of me says, I would have probably been scared stiff. You know, when God moves, there's a certain sense of praise and blessing, and there's also a certain sense of of terrifying fear. I mean, God is an awesome God. We sing that, but we don't know what it means. But think about it. Think about how it would feel to, to be right there, and all of a sudden, there He comes. There He is. What does that mean? And you can imagine that it created a huge stir. I mean, all around the the countryside there, not only in that community, but everywhere around. People had heard about this. Word was spreading. And what the text affirms is that when God moves, there are repercussions. There are things that will happen. And it it helps us to see in these three little verses, when God does intervene in our world, when God does come into our lives or in the lives of those around us, when God moves in our midst, there is, there is, there's a lot of different things happen. It isn't just happy days. It really isn't. Look at verse 9. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews gathered around Jesus. 
Not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus. You hear that? Whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests in verse 10 made plans to kill Lazarus as well. On the account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Get all that? That wouldn't be what I would expect. When I'm calling on God to, to, to be a miracle in my life or to be a miracle in my child's life or to be a miracle in my a friend's life, I, I don't expect all that. I expect blessing, happiness, hope, joy. Many people want God to do something in their midst, something big in their life. We, we want God to come in and, and, and do a big miracle in our church and, and just really move the mountain. Move it, Lord, move it. But the question is, what do we really expect to happen? And when God does move, are we ready for what will inevitably happen next? God doesn't perform miracles in a vacuum. He doesn't move without purpose, and, and, and He has a plan. He has a very purposeful plan. He moves. And when He does move, there's no ignoring that, that something happened. I mean, it's, it's a giant thing. You know, but you read about it in, in a lot of the old uh, theophany stories where you have the chariots, you know, and Ezekiel, the wheel within the wheel are rolling and all this stuff, and, and this big chariot rolling out with all the seraphim and all that. You have it in Revelation again. You have it in several places in Scripture. And it's the idea of God moving, and nobody can deny it's God. Nobody. Everybody knows something big is happening. Something huge is happening. And when God moves, everybody pays attention. Sort of like the old uh, E.F. Hutton campaign on TV. I know I date myself with that. But, uh, you know, you know, when, when God speaks, everybody listens. And that's the truth. He does. Jesus was said to Mary and Martha. He said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Right there in verse 11. Did I not tell you? Did I not tell you? That's back in chapter 40, or chapter 11, verse 40. There's a part of us that wants to see God move. There's a part of us that wants to see the glory of God. A popular Christian singing group around, Third Day, they have a song out called The Miracle. Everybody needs a miracle, and that's what they're saying. That's the song. We all want a miracle. Lord, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. How many of us have not prayed for a miracle? How many of us? We have. You know, and, and it, it, whether it was a sickness that we we're so helpless before, whether it was in our own personal life that we, we were just at, at the bottom and we were hanging on to the little knot at the bottom of the rope and we just prayed, God, help me. God, deliver me. God, I need a miracle. We, we've been there. All of us have been there. The world we live in is there. There is no hope. There is no real light. There's a lot of false pseudo-hope out there. There's a lot of things that promise hope. But then as, as, as Ted was sharing, a, a few miles down the road, and all of a sudden that hope just sort of disappears. It doesn't deliver. The culture we live in can't deliver. It can't deliver in the long term. And so here when they, they come up with a song, no wonder it's a, a top-rated song. No wonder it, it, it broke open big time because we all need a miracle. It captured where we were, believers and non-believers. It captures where we are. You see, that miracle, that God acting, God intervening, God somehow 
supernaturally coming into our world. We, we know it happens. We know about creation. You can look around and see and, and with any sense at all, understand that there had to be something that put it together. Even science can, cannot deny that. I mean, the statistical things and all that, you know, they come up with all that stuff. So they come up with intelligent design and a lot of other ways to try to understand it apart from a divine intervention. Look at the resurrection. Look at Jesus' resurrection. Look at Lazarus' resurrection. Look at the blind who saw and the lame who walked and all the lives that were changed. Look in our world. Look at your life. Look at my life. We are, we are testimonies to the supernatural intervening into the natural. Our life has changed. Prayers are answered. You know, I've often I heard years and years ago that God answers every prayer. And I said, well, that's a pretty good cop-out. You know, because can't tell, can you? You know, if he does or he doesn't, you know. They don't all walk out of the tomb. And, and like Lazarus, but, but some do. But when you understand it a little deeper, God does answer every prayer. But you know, God can say no. Or I'm not going to do it this way, I'm going to do it that way. And of course, I take that as a, he doesn't answer prayer. You know, we didn't answer my prayer or my particular point of view. But he does answer prayer. God answers all our prayers. God cares about us and he loves us. And, he, and he come, that's why he invades our space. Thankfully, he does. And, and he comes into our life and he makes a difference there. So what does it mean to experience God's moving in our life? What can you expect is going to happen when you read this little text? And how are we expected to, to respond to that maybe? Well, one of the things you see that's going to happen for sure, absolutely for sure, when, when God moves, he's going to awaken a whole big crowd, a whole big aura of curiosity. Everybody's going to want to know, right? Everybody's going to be saying, what was that? What was that? What, what? Do that again. Roll that back. Show me again. What did that, how did that happen? Everybody, you know, this large crowd of Jews found Jesus and, and, they, and they came to see not because only of Jesus, but they came to see because of Lazarus. That's why they were there. Jesus was a little old hat by this time amongst a lot of those folks. But here now, Jesus had come back, or Lazarus had come back from the dead. That was big news. That was big news. And they wanted to see for themselves. They wanted to see. They were Thomases. I'm going to put my finger right in the hole. I want to touch those hands. You know? Then I'll believe. And so that's what we had. We had a huge amount of curiosity. And that's what, when God performs a miracle, when, when a life is changed, when the blind see and the lame walk and the dead rise up, when Jesus comes and invades your space, that's going to create curiosity all around you. There are going to be people who work with you, people who go to school with you, people who are, who are in your family. They're going to say, what happened? What happened? It's only natural that you're going to become something of a spectacle. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to be on the front line? Guess what? You are, not only because of Jesus, but because of Lazarus they came, and you will be. If you get your prayer, you will be a spectacle. You'll be, get us, you'll be, people will be looking at you. And I know that doesn't feel good, and we don't like that because they may see who we really are. And, and 
probably will. Maybe we should say, prayerfully, hopefully they will. Because that's what God's doing, you see? That's where the miracle is. That's where the miracle is. Everywhere, everywhere Lazarus would go, he'd be the talk of the town. Can't you imagine? This was a new experience for him. You know? He'd never been raised from the dead before. <laughs> I mean, think about it. After having been on a receiving end of one of the greatest miracles you can ever imagine, everybody now wanted to see him. They wanted to talk to him. They wanted to touch him. They wanted to hear him. They wanted to hear his story to find out if it was real. That's what they'll do with you and me. That's what, we, that's what God wants them to do with you and me. That's what miracles do. They stir up curiosity. They stir up curiosity. And, you know, this doesn't have to be one of the... Mary, uh, Mother Teresa used to have a saying called... She classed her miracles. She called them first-class miracles. This doesn't have to be a first-class miracle. You know, it could be a fourth or fifth-class miracle. It could be one of those little things, you know, uh, like just a person who came to Jesus. You know, and, you know, you don't see that as a big, sometimes big, you know, all this kind of stuff. We, we see it, and, and those who have been praying for him see it. And if we're in it, we're definitely seeing it. But the world doesn't, doesn't really applaud that much. But boy, when something big happens, you know, when a cancer is healed, when a heart is healed, somebody comes back from the dead. Oh, yeah, that gets everybody's attention. And there's, there's those on both sides of that de- debate. But they are all curious about what happened, every one of them. And it's natural that you're going to be a spectacle when God moves in your life. If God saved your marriage, there's going to be people with failing marriages who are wanting to talk to you about that. How did that happen? How did this, tell me how this worked. They'll want to know. They'll want to know. If If he gives you a healing in your physical body, or turns your business around, or delivers you from some catastrophic situation, people will want to know about it. If so, somehow you, you, you know, you've been a real hellraiser all your life and you, you've just carried on and carried on and carried on and, and all of a sudden there seems to be this unexplainable peace about you. You know, what's, what's that? We're, what did, some of your friends aren't going to go there anymore. You know, what, what made that happen to you? There's curiosity. It's going to stir. It's going to stir. They're going to want to know how did that happen. And as a re- result... They're going to want to take a much closer look at your life. And hopefully, when they take that closer look, they'll see God. They'll see God. When God works in your life, the people around you, the world we live in, is going to want to know about it. They may not believe it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's not our job. They're, they're going, but they're going to take a closer look. Their curiosity will, will be stirred. And as a result, you're going to be a spectacle you're going to be a little bit of weird, you know? Uh, what is it in Peter? They call us that uh, peculiar people. <laughs> I love that. We are to be peculiar. We shouldn't try to avoid it. Be ready for it. Be ready for it. Be ready to be something of a spectacle. Second thing that's going to happen here, when God moves, when the supernatural invades the natural, is you're going to attract hostility. And that's usually where most of us want to just get off the boat. Uh, we don't like to be in a hostile climate. We don't like conflict necessarily uh, unless we're dominant over it. If we can control it, okay, we, you know, if I'm the big dog, then okay, let's bring it on. But if I'm maybe the little dog or I'm one little light in a whole sea of darkness, then hmm, I'm not so sure about that, you know. I feel, I feel like that when you talk about being in the Czech Republic and you being in a, 
in, in that kind of a culture and environment. And I think of everything you're, you're talking about sharing and teaching and uh, that's, that's real life over there now is certainly becoming real life over here. It's a great time to prepare, folks, <laughs> ahead of the storm. Great time. Uh, but it's going to attract hostility. When God moves, hostility will, will rise. You know, verse 10. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. They were already plotting on how to kill Jesus. And so they just included Lazarus in the, in the, on the list. And Lazarus most particularly because he was expanding the witness. He was expanding the good word. You know, this miracle in his life connected him too closely to the ministry of Jesus. And they wanted that ministry stopped at all cost. And J Jesus would later tell us, disciples, if the world hates you, keep in mind that the world hated me first. You know? And, and he also said in, in, in Matthew 10, all men will hate me. All, see, all men will hate you because of me. Because of me. Now, those are hard words, aren't they? They're hard words. And, and hate is, a, is a, one of those real stark words as well. But he, he's basically talking about we can't be a friend of the world in the sense of, of going the ways of the world and go the ways of God. They're two different ways. Two different ways. But you can't isolate yourself either. You can't isolate. It's impossible to isolate yourself because God's going to make a, his light. He's going to shine a great big spotlight on you. That's what he does. And, and you're not going to be able to run from it. You're going to have to be there. You're going to be right under that spotlight. And that means you're going to collect uh, some of the anger and some of the, some of the mocking and some of the ridiculing. It's a fact of life. You know, some people are, are, are not going to like you for no other reason than that you belong to Jesus. Or that you believe in God. Or that you even thought about believing in God. And the closer you get to Him, and the more like Him you become, the less they're going to really like you. And it's a general rule. It's a general rule. But don't forget who the mission field is. You know, it's not only us, but it's also the world. Don't forget who we're supposed to be trying to, to reach. Don't forget who God loves. Hmm? God so loved the world. Wow, I wish he'd picked a different word. You know, why not God so loves the believer? Doesn't that sound better? You know? But he loves the world. World. And there's some of this world that I, I struggle to love. Hmm? How about you? If, if you observe what's happening in our, in our own culture these days, you, you, can, you can see that the name of Jesus is often rejected. Often. It seems like more often than not anymore. It's becoming the norm in our schools for, for Islam and Buddhism and Native American culture, uh, uh, religious views, and, and all kinds of other faith practices to be celebrated. Oh, we need to learn about that. We need to practice that. We need to, we need to go out and have a field experience in, in that and all these kinds of things. But Christianity? Oh, no. Oh, no. Christianity is marginalized or ignored altogether. Because you're already supposed to know that. That's what I've heard is the reason. You're already supposed to know that. So you don't need to learn about that. And that tide has turned a couple of decades ago. You know, it, it's really an interesting phenomenon. A young Tennessee girl, 10 years old, was told to write an essay about some, somebody she idolized, okay? So she picked God. She's going to write about Jesus because she, she idolized Jesus. And uh, uh, so she turned in her, her choice for her, her essay, and her teacher rejected it. 
rejected it. You can't choose God. You can't choose Jesus. You, know, you have to choose someone else. That's the way it is. It comes with the territory. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't be angry about that. We may want to be a little bit disappointed, you know, but we shouldn't be angry because that's what God's doing, you see. We should expect and not be offended. When you're singled out by God, you're also going to be singled out by others. And some of those others are going to single you out in a hostile way. Others of those others, uh-huh, will come to your door and say, tell me, what just happened? What just happened? That's where God's working. <laughs> I guess you could call me a bit naive. I've maybe always been a little bit of that, but I'm one of those who always thought that, you know, if God would move in a big way, like, you know, if Jesus would come on in out of the foyer and walk up here and, and you know, call us all to rededicate our lives or whatever, that we'd all just be, man, we'd just be right there. We'd do it. But if God moved in our midst in a mighty way, something miraculous, something big, then who could possibly deny it? I mean, this guy came out of the, four days out of the dead. How can you deny that? How can you deny that? It's, it's like the man who was, who was blind. And, and, and Jesus gave him sight. And his testimony was, man, I don't know. One, all I know is once I was blind and now I see. You know? That's, that's a miracle. I don't know how it happened. But he did it. <laughs> this guy, this God, he did it. And yet, you look at the reaction of the scribes and the Pharisees here. To everything that Jesus did. Everything. You know, Jesus never was hit and miss. He was always a hit. You know? And, and, and you didn't have to say, well, I hope it works this time. It worked every time. And, and, and when it always worked, you would think, well, with that 100% record, that after a while you would, you would start trusting it. You would start believing it. You'd start scratching your head and say, maybe I'm on the wrong side of this discussion. They never did, did they? Never did. I mean, uh, maybe a sprinkle off here and a sprinkle off there, you know, um, would, would, would drop out. But as a, as a group, they didn't. They didn't. They rejected everything. The, the blind seeing, lame walking, lepers being healed, even dead coming alive. They rejected it all. And they rejected it not because it wasn't good. They rejected it because it was Jesus. It was God. It glorified God. That was the rejection. And we've got to always keep that in mind. That when they reject us, when you, when you receive something hostile to you, it, it, it's really not hostile to you. It's hostile to God. So don't, don't get so personally into it. You know, stay away from the personal attack thing. You know, they're going to attack you, but stay out of it. Don't, no, don't go there. Don't go there. Go where Jesus said. They didn't like me. They're not going to like you. Okay? And, and understand, we pray for miracles. Be aware, though, that when you pray, and you should pray, that a certain hostility will come your way when God moves in your life. You have to be ready for it. You have to be ready for it. And you have to be up to the task of facing it. Well, let me give you my final one. You know, it's always three. Not always three. Every once in a while, I'll throw four or five in there. And then and you're really off, off you know. But anyhow. Look at verse 11. 
On the account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and they were putting their faith in him. Whenever God moves, whenever the supernatural invades the natural, it's going to create an opportunity. That's, that's the purpose of a miracle. It isn't to bless you. You know, that's a side purpose, you know. And, and good if you get it and, you know, okay too if you don't. But it's, it's for God to be glorified. For God to be glorified. It creates that opportunity. That's the whole purpose of the supernatural. When God works in a purpose, person's life, when God works in our world, I mean, why do you think the sunshine is so beautiful? You know? It's to, it's to create within us a desire to thank God for it. And I know you've already been doing that this morning as you saw it breaking out out there. Lord, thank you! You know? And, and it's, it's one of those things that, that, that's when God intervenes. When God comes into our life, that's what He does. It's what He does. And it causes people to come to Christ. It causes people to acknowledge God as God. It causes people to, to believe that there has to be something intelligent that designed this world. Something that created, indeed created. When God gives us a miracle... He establishes a platform for us to give Him glory. You know, we, we had Super Bowl a few weeks ago. And, and wrapped all around the Super Bowl were all these uh, shows. And, and one of the shows that I saw was they were showing all the highlights of Super Bowl. You probably saw those things too. Probably, probably aired about every 20 minutes in that week. And, but all the, the great highlights of previous Super Bowls. And one of the highlights, which I... I love. I mean, it's it's my all-time favorite was when uh, the uh, New England Patriots lost. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, they don't always win, you know, but they lost to, to New York, to, to, to uh, New York, and, and uh, I think it was, I don't know, it was several years ago. And there was a, the, it, they lost on this fantastic, amazing catch. And there was a guy on their team uh, named David Tyree. You'd never heard of him, had you? Have you ever heard of David Tyree? No, he's not famous for anything, is he? No. And, 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 and this scene and this, this miracle catch right at the end was played over and over and over again. So, so what did Tyree do with his newfound fame? That he somehow caught this, miraculously caught this ball, and, and the game went to New York over New England, which was just another miracle. And, and uh, they kept calling it, the, you know, the, the miracle catch. The miracle catch. So Tyree gets out of the season, and he writes a book. And he says, the title's of the book, More Than Just a Catch. All of a sudden, people were paying attention to this guy because of what God had allowed him to do and, and this, just this phenomenal thing and this great, you know, all those other things that go with it. God had given him that miracle catch. He'd given him that platform. And Tyree was a believer, and he took that opportunity. He'd been addicted to alcohol since he was a kid. I mean, way middle school kind of kid. He had spent time in prison for drug use. When Jesus came into his life, turned him around. That was the first miracle. It always is. Then Jesus started making a difference in his life and, and, and creating a new man out of that old man. 
just like he does in your life and my life. And we'd have never heard about that story. We'd have never heard about his, his journey, and we'd have never learned about the, the hope of the gospel through that book that he wrote unless he had made that catch. You see, God gave him the miracle catch to have a platform to share his story. God gives you and me miracle catches so that we'll have a platform to share his story. And the first great miracles catch that we have is when Jesus came into our life. When Jesus came in, your testimony is so important. And it's not something big and fancy and something you've got to study. You know, you don't have to go off to seminary to know how to, to you know, to talk to somebody about Jesus. Tell your story. Tell your story. Because God's doing all the work. Just tell the story. You know, when Tyree was, was a nothing, he, he was a, you know, pretty much a second string player on the New York team. And, and uh, he, he wasn't, he was, he was good, but he wasn't great by any means. 99% of those guys, they just disappear into the annals of whatever. You never hear about them. You never hear about them. But then there was the catch. And now we know about him. And you hear about him. You hear about him now. Years later. You see him on the reruns every Super Bowl, you know. There it is. The spotlight God shined on him. And he knew what he wanted to do. He wanted to tell his story. When God, when God works in your life, he wants you to use that opportunity to tell the world around you, whatever your little part of the world is, your story. Tell them of the greatness of God, the goodness of God. Some people think that witnessing, like I said, is all about salesmanship, trying to persuade others to give their life to Christ and all that kind of stuff. You know, we've got we to gotta accept the fact that, that the redemption, that seeking and saving the lost is the work of God. And not our work. I mean, it is our work in the sense that is Christ in us is doing that work. But it is when we take it on as our work, where it's up to us to make this happen, and if this doesn't happen, all these people, all these souls are going to be damned and go to hell and all that kind of stuff. We sell God way short. It's His work. And He understands you and I. He understands how you know, marbly mouth we are when we try to talk to somebody about Jesus. He understands how we get all confused and we want to call upon a Ted or somebody to come, would you come and explain this concept to these folks? You know, <clears throat> and, you know, and, and just relax. He's got him in a place where he has to have that kind of good sense. And you, you don't always have to have that. Just share Jesus. Tell your story. Tell your story. And of course, the most powerful thing we heard this morning was their story of their daughter. The story of God doing a miracle in their midst. You know? And that's, that's what it's all about. That's what it's God doesn't perform miracles in a vacuum. He performs His, His great and marvelous works for all the world to see. Make you a, a spectacle, yes. You know? Are you ready for that? Are you ready to be a spectacle? Because the world's curious. They do want to know. They do want to know. As much as our culture seems so hard and so impossible around us, it, it wants to know. It knows, at least if not now, some will know in days and weeks and years to come that what's promised is not real. Are we ready to be a spectacle? 
Are we ready to, for the backlash and for the criticism and the hostility and some of the mockering maybe? And you know, Are we ready for that hostility which will come out as a result of our, our willingness to tell our story and stand up for God? Be known as a miracle. Are you willing to use God's work in your life as, a, as an opportunity, a platform to bring glory to His name? That's the question. That's what it's about. Make it your prayer. Lord, make my life a miracle. No matter the cost, and I know it will cost, but make my life a miracle so that I can bring honor and glory to your name. Lord God, use us as individuals and as a church to build your kingdom in such a way that you will be glorified. That's what it's all about. It isn't about us. It isn't about me. It's about you. Now, are you ready for that miracle, right? Are you? All right, let's pray so. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, love us. Thank you. Thank you for caring about us and understanding us better than we really understand ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for speaking truth into our life. Lord, help us to get stronger knees and be able to stand a little taller, be able to tell the story of your miracle in our life. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't set off way out there somewhere. Thank you, God, that you're not a God of of the Greeks or a God of any other who's out there impersonal. Thank you that you're a personal God. Oh, that you weep with us and you laugh with us. That you come into our life, Lord, because you love us. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we praise you. Amen.
I get to give the benediction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing of being your people in this place. And it's not a sad time. It's an exciting time. It's not a time of fear, but a time of rejoicing, a time of hope. Lord, use us. Use every one of us for the work that you have specifically made for us to bring your kingdom near, to bring your word and your truth and your hope into a world that so desperately needs it. Lord, we, we have our mission field. We just pray that you would send us out to it. Take us out of this safe place, this, this sanctuary, Lord, and take us out into the world where we live. That's where we live. That's where you want us to be. And help us to bear fruit there for your glory. Help us to be that little light in the darkness. Help us to be that word of, of truth, that word of hope, Lord, where there is none. Oh, God, use us. Use us for your glory. That's our prayer. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you all.